Hey, thank you so much. For those who don't know me, I'm the pastor of Sun Life Church. And it is such a great joy to be here uh, to preach. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for strength. I've been quite cooked for some, 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 some time now. So I'm going to pray and hopefully you can hear and still understand what I have to say. Let me pray. Father God, I pray now that you would help me to, uh, to speak your word. To speak your word with clarity, I pray that they will hear your voice through me as we study your word. I pray, God, that we will be challenged, that we will leave this place changed, Lord. That we will leave this place saying, wow, we love you even more. We want to live for you even more. So God, would you help me? Would you strengthen me? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 You know, we've, we've been married now. My wife and I have been married for over 16 years. I don't look that old, hey? They say Asians, we, we, we don't look that old, but once we get to a certain age, man, it's just downhill very quickly. You get, you, you, like, who saw a picture of Jet I saw a picture of Jet Li just recently. Jet Li, martial art guys. He, he's like, I don't know how old he is, probably 55 or something, and he looks like he's 30. And there's a picture of him just recently, which looks like 70. It's like you age so quickly. So I still look probably, what, 16, right? <laughs> And anyhow, I was, I, I, we were married, we were married uh, over 16 years ago. And I remember when I proposed to, uh, to my wife 17 years ago, she was working in Canberra. And uh, back that time, because of the 9-11 and ANSET, who knows ANSET? Who remembers ANSET? No, yeah, a few people. ANSET was a like Qantas uh, uh, competitor. They kind of went broke. So for me from Perth to go to uh, Canberra, I had to hop on a train, man. All for love, because I knew... That when I saw my girlfriend then, my wife, I would propose to her. So I was on a train for three days, all right? And I remember on that day, um, I, we, we had a, I had a phone and I kind of called her up and said, Hey, you know what? I, uh, I, I miss you. I'm, I'm, I'm in Perth, you know? I know it's your birthday. I want to just uh, send you some nice flowers. It's, it's at the front door waiting for you. And she's like, oh, really? Nice. She runs out. She opens the front door. Who's standing there? Me. Oh, how, how you like that? You see, how, you see how smooth I am? You know, and then, of course, you know, the whole proposal, the whole thing there. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because no one knew that I proposed to my girlfriend then. Her parents didn't even know. My close friends didn't know. Later on, her father found out. He got really upset because he thought he's Vietnamese, right? So he thought proposal equals marriage. So like, you know, I've married his daughter without asking him and it was all chaotic. But here's my point. Today, when you propose to someone, what's the first thing you do? Selfie, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, are you with me? And the whole world knows it's official. You might even go, so-and-so is engaged to so-and-so. Is that right? Or so-and-so is married to so-and-so. Or you've got a special announcement. Oh, you know, Mom, I'm going to have a baby soon. And it's all beautiful pictures of shoes and the little one there. You know, oh, we're going to have a baby surprise. We like to announce things today via social media. And there's nothing wrong with that. The world has changed so much that news today, right, are instant on our fingertips. Like when you, when you open your Facebook, the very first thing you get is a news feed. Is that right? What's going on? Who's, go, who's getting married? Who's going away on holidays? Whatever it is. Who got dumped? It's all there, right? It's all there, right? Gone, long gone of the day, long gone of the day where you would sit in front of a TV, right, to watch the 7 o'clock or the 6 o'clock news. Is that right? You know, remember in the olden days, like say 
10 years ago. Like, you know, during dinner, you sit in front of that thing called the TV, a box, and you watch like, you know, channel 10 or channel 7, you know, right? And then now they start competing. Oh, we'll put the news at 4 p.m. You know, all right, that's earlier. Or we'll put the news at midday. The thing I'm trying to say is this, is that the world has changed so much that the news that we get, right, is no longer in front of a box, but on our fingertips. The gospel, listen carefully, the gospel, the good news is news. That's all it is. When we think about the gospel, we think of news, good news. In the New Testament time, news was declared, was heralded, which means you lived in a village and the king has made a decision for the kingdom and he sends someone from the kingdom down to the village to herald the message. He may say something like this, hey, behold, the kingdom of the king. The king has made a decision that you no longer have to study any more examination. You can just go have your lecture and then pass with a high distinction. Woo! Would you reckon that would be great news? That would be pretty good, eh? That would be pretty good, eh? In fact, if you're between the age of 18 and 30, the king has decided everyone gets a brand new car. Woo! That's, that's Herald. And it's good news because you're going, yeah, man, that is unbelievable. Imagine I said to you one day when you're working, the king says no longer taxes. You can make a hundred bucks and you keep a hundred bucks. Woo! Oh, imagine this. Every weekend is a long weekend. You work Monday to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Woo! Ah, now you're getting excited. You see, you see, listen carefully. Listen carefully. The gospel is good news. Good news that the king have already done. He's already declared something. He's already made a decision. He, in his own will, have set something in motion. That's the good news. The good news is not things like you've got to serve or you've got to go to church or you've got to give this amount of money. Oh, you've got to be nice to your parents. You've got to be nice to your pastor. You've got to not swear. You've got to be a goody, goody Christian. That is not the good news. And sometimes what happens in the church system, we think that's the good news. And we relate church Christian practice as the good news. And we forget that the good news is what the king has already done, decided, declared over our lives. And it has to be good to us first before it's good news to someone else. Are you with me? Because if you're not excited about it, you will never be courageous to share the good news of God. Because if it's not good news to me, it won't be good news to you. In other words, if I am 17 or 18, I get a brand new car and that's not good to me, I won't tell you that the king has made the decision. But hey, if that is great news for me, I want all my families, all my friends, all my loved ones to know that what the king has declared for me is also for you. You want to hear it as well. Are you with me? So this morning, or this morning, this evening's message is on gospel courage. That we've got to be courageous to share the gospel, to share the good news of God. That God has made everything for you and I to be in relationship with Him through the death of His Son. That Christ would bore all our sin. That Christ would die for us and raise for us. And today He intercedes for us. That's the good news. It has nothing to do with you. You see this? Because the good news has nothing to do with you, everything to do with God. Because He's the King who made the decision, and now we are recipients of it. 
and we hear it. Now we are to herald it. We're to get up and say, hey, everyone, this is the good news. That God loves you. And we forget that. And what we do is we just do the motion of church and we think the good news, oh, I better come to church. I better listen to what the pastor has to say. I better serve. I better give. I better clap every now and then and say amen and nod every now and then and pray my prayers before I eat. That is not the good news. You do that, this church here will just be a church that will grow through transfer growth. Because none of you is harrowing the good news. You like what I have to say? Is this relevant for you? It is. Because you want to see this church grow. You want to see this church packed out. The good news has to be good news to you first. And you need to understand that you are the one that God has sent to herald the message. That you are the one who stands in the corner of the village and says, Hey, behold, the king has done this for you and for me. It is good to me, therefore it's good to you. Gospel courage is what I want to talk about tonight. Three things I want to talk about. The seed of gospel courage. Where do we get it from? The weeds of gospel courage. What hinders us and the need for gospel courage. You like that? You like that? The seed, weeds, and need. <coughs> if you have your Bible, I need you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's where we are tonight. Okay, you're there. Let me ask you this question, or of course, you don't have to answer this to me. When was the last time you herald, you shared, you proclaim the gospel? Think about it. Was it this week? Was it last week? This month? Last month? <coughs> last year? He can't remember. When was the last time that you had the courage <coughs> to share the gospel message? And I pray that God would use me to stir that up, that you would be sharing that to the guys that sit next to you in school or uni or the neighbor or the person you meet on the street. I pray that God would use me to stir up your heart and Oikos Church be a church where you are saying, yes, I am going to be courageous to share the gospel message because it's so good to me. The seed of gospel courage. Look at verses 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, <coughs> we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. We stop right there. The first two verses, you see this wonderful attention between courage boldness, but also conflict, suffering, infliction. Look carefully. He is saying that despite the conflict, despite the shameful treatment in Philippi, you see it in the text, despite the suffering, we still had boldness in who? God. The seed of gospel courage is not in yourself, is not in your pastor, is not in your program, is not in this church. It is God alone and you have to make sure you spend time with God alone and get God to give the courage to herald the good news. That's what we see right here. That our courage is not something that we rallied inwardly, but rather courage received 
upwardly. It is from God who begins to remind us that He is with us so that we can proclaim the gospel. He says right here, we had boldness in our God to declare the good news despite the affliction. Now let me explain this. You got to understand this. In Acts chapter 16, we see Luke's record of, here it is, Paul and Silas going to Thessalonica. Before they came there, they were in this town called Philippi, Acts 16. And in Philippi, Paul, Silas, they're beaten up. Locked in prison, whipped. Why? They were sharing the gospel. They managed to escape. They flee to Thessalonica, another town near Philippi in Greece. Now, they just came and escaped infliction. They just escaped persecution. And they're in a new town. You and I, most of the time, we say, you know what? It's too hard. We were beaten up in the last town. Let's go to the new town and just take shelter and let's just relax and do nothing. But they said, no, despite the affliction, despite the suffering in Philippi, we're still going to preach the gospel. You know why? Boldness is from God. Seed of my courage is from God. I don't look at the past. I don't look at the the pain of Philippi. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to look at God and I'm going to keep going because He gives me boldness. You understand that a lot of us, a bit of affliction, a bit of pain, a bit of suffering. We look at the past. It didn't work well. I got rejected. I got hurt. I don't want to share. Cry, cry, cry. But not these guys. Despite the pain, we're going to go there anyway. Acts 16, 23. The crowd joined in attacking them. That's a crowd attacking Paul and Silas. And the magistrate, this is the judge, tore off their garments and ordered everyone to beat them with rods. Can you picture that? You're in a town. The magistrate, the person who should be holding justice here, would tell everyone to tear off all your clothes, strip you down and have a crowd beat you with rod. And when they were inflicted with many blows upon them, they threw them in prison in ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Can you picture that? Paul, Silas, what are they doing? They're sharing the gospel for the sake of who? The listeners. And who's beating them up? The listeners. Can you see that? They manage to escape. And they go to a new town. And what do they do? We're going to go again. We're going to share again. We're going to proclaim again. We don't care what happened there. We don't care that we nearly died. But you know what we're going to do? Despite the suffering, despite the pain, let me tell you, there's no difference between Philippi and Thessalonica. They're both cities in Greece where they don't want Jesus, right? But you know what? We're not going to let what happened in the past, all right, play with our minds because our mind will say, hey, you know what? It's just going to be a repeat of what happened there. No, no, no. We're going to look at God and we say boldness comes from God. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep sharing. And we don't care because it's so good, so good. You understand that? You see that? And I want you to keep in mind that sometimes whatever affliction, whatever pain, whatever suffering you go through, 
Where are you drawing your strength from? Where is the seed of your courage? Are you still looking at yourself? Are you still looking at the people around you? Are you still looking at your leader? Are you looking at your programs? Are you looking at Oikos Church? Or you say, no, I look at you. I look at you, God, because you, you give me strength. My boldness comes from you. The seed of my courage is you alone. So I'm going to fix my eyes upon you until the day you take me home. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 41 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxious look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. We can be courageous because the God who we worship is a God who's with us. Towards the end of the gospel in Matthew 28, what does Jesus say to the disciples? Therefore go and make disciples, right? Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. I am going with you. I am not going to leave you alone. But the problem is that most of the time, you don't look to me. You think that I'm somewhere out there, somewhere far away, and you don't turn to me. And you look to yourself for strength, and you get burnt out. You look to other people for strength, and you get disappointed. I am with you. I am going with you, and I need you to look at me, and I need you to tap into me for strength, and I need you to trust me, and I need you to understand that boldness comes from me. I am the seed of gospel courage. When is the last time? You pray to God and say, God, I want to share your message to my loved ones, to my parents, to my brothers, to my colleagues. But I really need your strength. When was that prayer prayed? Are you with me? We should be people saying, God, without you, I can't do this. I need your strength. I look towards you. I need you to help me do this because without you, I cannot do this. We've got to be willing to trust God. The weeds of gospel courage. Listen carefully, the weeds. I'm not talking about weeds, right? This is very important. Right? I'm talking about things that hinders, not the stuff that we smoke, right? That's, that's, that's for another era, okay? Just keep it in mind. I don't want you guys to go, oh, Pastor, I've been talking about weeds in the church. No, 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 no. Okay. So I want to get that out there. I've got, actually, I've, I've got, a, I've got a, a beautiful place at where I live, and I have this front lawn. Man, beautiful. And I've just noticed now, I don't know what happened. There were all these weeds. I don't know whether it's because it's winter. Any, any horticulturalists, any experts in agriculture? No one? There's all these weeds everywhere, and I hate it. You know why I hate it? Because the weed, what it does is that it, it competes with my lawn. And as it grows, what happens is that its root starts competing with the nutrients of my lawn. But not only that, as it grows, its flower and its whatever leaf begins to get on top of my lawn and the sun, right? Gets absorbed by the weed and not my lawn. I hate it. And I'm trying to kill the weeds. Sometimes there are certain things that we need to kill. Because as long as it's still in us, it's going to hinder us from being courageous. You understand? There are certain things, certain things in your life where you go, you know what, Pastor, you're right. That cobweb there needs to be cleared out. In fact, that spider needs to be killed because it's inside my life and it's hindering me from being courageous. In fact, I know why I haven't shared the gospel message, Pastor. I know the reason why I haven't shared because there's certain things inside of me 
that I need to deal with. I'll give you two things I see in the text, two weeds that will hinder us from being courageous. Here's the first one. Selfish ambition or self-centeredness. Look at the text. Go back to Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 5. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Verse 5. We never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. Now let me explain what's going on here. The text is saying this, is that when they came to this city to share the gospel message, it says right there, there were no impure motives. You see it in the text? We, we never attempt to trick anyone. We never mask things up because of any internal greed. There was no hint of selfishness, no agenda. There's no self-centeredness. When you and I, listen carefully, when you and I share the gospel and we think we get something back in return, we're in trouble. That's a weed. When we think that there are personal gain, right? Oh, wow, my church is going to grow and I'm going to be a superstar and I'm going to be a great person to worship in front of hundreds. When there are any forms of self-centeredness, it will be dangerous. Here's the reason why. You flip that around. Listen carefully. If it's too hard, if there are too much headaches, why do I want to share? You see? Can you get that? Let me say the point again. I don't want you to lose this. Self-centeredness means I get something out of it. But it also means that if I don't get anything out of it, or if it's too much pain or too much work, I don't want to do it. Do you understand that? Now, let me, let me explain this right here. In business, in business, in business, right? The whole idea of business is to what? To make money. Is that right? Like, if I, if I, if I, if I buy those bags, you know, those bags that you guys are trying to sell, or if I buy those bags for two bucks from China, right, and sell it for 12 bucks, that's a smart business move. Is that right? I, I make what? $10. I don't know how much you're making, right? But that's a smart business move, right? Is, is, am I right in saying that? Did I get it right? All right. <laughs> now, let's say I buy a bag. <coughs> let's say I buy a bag for 15 bucks in China, and I, tell, I sell it for 10 bucks. What's that? That's a silly business plan, right? I'm making a loss. Are, are you with me? You know there's a show called Shark Tank? The one in, when you watch TV where the entrepreneur they sit in the big mess of seat and then people show their innovation and invention. Is that right? And if they think that that's a good business idea, they'll make money. They'll invest in that. Is that right? Yeah. This is the thing here. Self-centeredness will say that if there's no gain for me, I'm not going to do it. If there's a risk, in other words, if there's a burden, if there'll be more responsibility, more issues, I don't want to do it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? There are churches I know that they will say, you know what, Pastor Bin, uh, we are happy with 100 people. I said, what? Yeah, we're happy with 100 people. Any more than 100, it becomes a bit crazy because there's too many people, more people, you know, Pastor Bin, more people, more ideas, more ideas, more complications, more complications, more frictions. Ah, uh, it's just too hard. Bali's, no more. Just 100, thank you. I know of churches in Perth that thinks like that. That is selfish. That is saying, if it's not good for me, I'm not going to share. Do you understand that? And I'm going to get quite, I'm gonna get quite uh, personal here. If you are a leader, if you are leading a connect group or a ministry, and you go, oh man, that person there is too much work. 
If that person that comes into my home, they're going to mess things up. We need the, 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 the proper type of Christians, you know, those with a degree and those who are nice and not rude and obnoxious. That guy there, he's going to cause havoc. Not sharing him the gospel. Are you with me? Oh, the person that comes in this building here. Oh, man, that guy smells. Smells, man. Smells like my big toe. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting next to him. I don't want to share the gospel message to him. Do you understand my point? That's selfishness. That's a weed. Here's a second weed here. The fear of man. The fear of man. And I'm not plucking this up from the air. It's in the text. Look in verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please who? God, who tests our hearts. Verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from people. Ah, we didn't seek glory from the people. Whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. You see, listen carefully. Listen carefully, Old Cross Church. Fear of men hinders courage because who you fear ends up being who you obey. Simple as that. So if you fear man, you're going to do everything that man wants you to do. You're going to obey man. But if you fear God, you obey God. If you fear man, oh man, I'm still afraid that my friends might think this about me. I won't share the gospel because I've got a reputation. I've got like 500 Facebook followers, whatever it is. I don't want to lose 100 because it makes me look dorky. Fear man. You know, when I was a high school teacher many years ago, in my first year, first few years of teaching, I taught in the country. And in the country, uh, they would put teachers in houses together. <coughs> They're called these giha Homes where the government says, hey, you know, because you're working in the country, we'll give you an accommodation. And I was working with this other teacher. She was an English teacher. And me being a Christian, you know, <coughs> I, brought up my key- I brought my keyboard. I used to be a keyboardist. And I was worshipping some songs. You know, and I was praying to Jesus. I do all the Jesus stuff because I love Jesus. This is when I was in my early 20s. Shine, Jesus, shine. Feel this. You guys don't even remember that song. You don't know that song, right? You guys weren't even born then yet, right? Right. So anyhow, and I felt the Spirit saying, Hey, Ben, son, you've got to go and share the gospel message to, to this teacher. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. I will do that. And I began to pray, and I had this wonderful plan. I had the plan to share the gospel message. You know the plan where you talk about the sin, and you know how sin separates us and God. I thought, oh, I might get my, get my black Bible because it's pretty cool. It's black. That looks like sin. Here you are. Here's sin. Here's God. Ah, oh, you know, God can't get through. You can't get through the God. You need Jesus Christ. The whole bridge. I was thinking, yeah, that's great. And anyhow, so I said, you know, this is, this is the afternoon. So after work, I, I kind of said, hey, you know what? You know that thing that I do in my room when I pray and I worship? I, I, want, to, I want to share you about my God. You see, as soon as I said, you see, she stopped me. She said, hey, Ben, stop it. I'm not right. Okay. She goes, you see this lump on my head? A lump. I'm like, oh, wow, there's a lump. I said, this is what? God, do you want me to lay hands and pray for you? Oh, man, this is an opportunity. You know, your miracle, complete healing. Hallelujah. I'm like, well, this is amazing, man. A lump. I said, yeah, what about the lump? 
She goes, oh, this lump here. And he goes, people like you, Bin, you Bible bash me. You Bible bash my head. That's why there's a lump in my head. Stop it, Bin. And I was like, oh my goodness. I had a plan. I had the plan. I had a plan. My plan was that, my plan was that the sinner's prayers prayed. Worship team comes on stage. We worship together. And then, okay, by the way, your pastor's waiting at the corner with the tracks. Go and get the tracks. And your pastor runs through some five-week discipleship. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm out of here. Drop the mic, right? That was my plan. It didn't work like that. As soon as she said that, I just kind of retreated, did a bit of a moonwalk back into my room, <laughs> closed the door. Shine, Jesus. That was it. And I kid you not, to this day, I have never seen that lady again. I have never shared the gospel message because I was afraid. Fear of man. I was afraid because of a little bit of persecution. Are you afraid of man? Are you afraid of your reputation? <coughs> Are you afraid of what they may say to you? See what Paul says right here we speak not to please man. We don't care because man needs to hear this. We're not afraid of man. We're afraid of God. We want to impress God. We want to obey God. The problem with us is that sometimes we're so afraid of our peers is because we're afraid what they may think about us or say about us behind our backs. We're afraid to post that wonderful, <coughs> encouraging article that we've read on Facebook because we're afraid as soon as we post it, there may be some little angry faces that comes up. Are you with me? We're afraid that it may jeopardize our friendship because of our faith, that we may lose them. You know, I may say to some of you, you may have kids and you're afraid that you know, they may harass your kids at school. You might not get that invite to their kid's birthday party. That's the fear that you and I <coughs> face as Christians. But seriously, is that anything compared to what Paul and Silas went through? beaten up with rods, stripped, locked away in prison. I'm not afraid of man. I'm afraid of God. That's what they're saying. Because the fear of man will be a weed to gospel courage. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You want to fear someone? You fear God. And when you fear God, you will share the gospel message even if they think that you're weird. You will share the gospel message even if you think you may lose that friendship. You will share the gospel message because you know that if you can win them over for Christ, you get to enjoy them and they get to enjoy Christ forever and ever and evermore. You would take that risk any day because you're not afraid of them. You're afraid of God. Are you with me? So there are two weeds. Selfishness, fear of man. Finally, the need. And we finish here. This is the reason why we must be courageous. Listen carefully. If you have not listened to me, if you've been going to sleep, if you've been <coughs> updating your, your post, this is when you want to wake up. This is very, very important. There are many good reasons why we need to share the gospel message. There are many good reasons to be courageous. But let me give you the reason I see in the text here. If you go with me to verse 1 of chapter 2, he says this. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you, so that's Paul and Silas, from where? Philippi to Thessalonica was not in vain. 
Listen carefully. That word vain means what? Fruitless, pointless, meaningless, without failures, right? You see? What Paul is saying is this. Despite the opposition, (coughs) despite the persecution, the hardship, when we came to this city here, it was not hollow. It was not empty. It was not without meaning. It was fruitful. It was meaningful. It was substance because of this church here. In other words, you can understand this. If you have time, you can read chapter 1 of this book, Thessalonians, and you see that Paul begins to highlight all the transformation that's taken place because of the gospel. He says things like this, you know what? You are now prompted to love. You're enduring with hope. You're imitators of uh, Christ. You're models to all the people in this area. You've turned away from idols. So in chapter one, he begins to remind them of who they are. Look at who you are. And then in chapter two, he says, our coming to you was not in vain. We came and we shared the message and look what took place. Lives transformed. This church was built. Wow. Now listen carefully here. In Acts, in Acts chapter 17, as Luke begins to record this, Luke makes this wonderful comment that Paul and Silas was only in this particular city for three Sabbath days. Now a Sabbath is probably a Saturday. Three Sabbath days means it's fought three weeks. They were in this city. Now a lot of scholars would say, maybe it's three weeks. Maybe it's a few months. But many agree it's not a year. Many agree it's not six months. A lot of them would say they were only in Thessalonica for a few weeks. Understand what I'm, Listen carefully. In other words, let's say they were in this town for two months. They didn't say, well, God, it's, it's, we're only going to be here for two months. It's no, there's no point. You can't do a lot in two months. We'll just go to Club Med and just relax. <coughs> and we'll go to the next town where we'll stay a bit longer. No. We're here for a, for a few weeks. We're going to give everything we've got. We're, not gonna make sh- we're gonna make sure it's not in vain. We're gonna make sure we do not come to the city and then just leave the city. No, we wanna make sure that when we came here, it was fruitful, it was meaningful, there was hope, there was transformation. We preached the gospel. Listen carefully. You and I, we're in the city of Perth for a short time. This is not forever. Listen carefully. Don't think that you're here for 80 years because some of you may not be here for 80 years. Don't think that, oh, you know what? I'm still so young, Pastor. Why do I have to hear this message, Pastor Ben? Look, my time will come. I'll share the gospel message when I'm a bit older, when I'm a bit more wiser. I want to enjoy life. I want to go out there and have fun. No. Your existence and my existence in the schemes of eternity is so small that we are like people traveling through Perth for a short time. May our life not be in vain. The need for gospel courage, listen carefully, the need for you and I to share the message of God is so that our life is not in vain. So that when you stand before the Creator, you say, God, my life, it was not in vain. It was not meaningless. It was not fruitless. It was meaningful. It was purposeful. There was fruit in my life, in my existence. That's the reason why you and I have to live with gospel courage. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? Life is too short. Life is too short. I want to be able to stand before God one day and say, God, my time in Perth, it was not in vain. 
Look at this church sun life that you used me to lead. Look at the multitude of people who've come to know you. Look at how their lives have been transformed. They've turned from idols and they've come back to you. They're models of Christ. People imitating them because they're imitating Christ or they're laboring in love. They live with hope. They live with perseverance and endurance. God, these people here, they're all yours. My life was not in vain. That's the need for gospel courage. Does it make sense? I mean, there are many great needs out there. People need to be saved. Bills need to be paid. <laughs> there are many great needs, but the text says, so that my ministry, my existence, my life is not in vain. Yeah. Let me finish with this story. Because <coughs> I think that's all I can go for on now, because I'm pretty, you're going to drop off soon. I, I have been, I'm 42 years old, and I have been in this country now, 38, 39 years. I came over here as a four or five year old boy. We were, <coughs> we, were uh, yeah, we were refugees. We hopped on a boat, on a boat, and we sailed south. Vietnam just sailed south just to hope to find land. Dexter, were you a refugee or were you born? Refugee. You're refugees, well. Yeah. Anyhow, my uncle, my uncle. Um, sorry, I've, I've just been so sick for the last. I've been sick for the last five weeks, man. Mm, mm. And you know what my doctor says to me? Now I'm sidetracking, right? My doctor, I used to pastor him many years ago. He goes, "Hey, pastor, you just you just need to stop talking." Because <laughs> you, you you talk too much. And I said, buddy, I know I'm not your pastor anymore, but I used to be your pastor. <laughs> I coach people, I train people, I lead things, I preach. I've got to use this baby here. And uh, actually, I'll tell you another funny story before I tell my story. I was preaching in Sydney probably three weeks ago, and I lost my voice on Thursday. Man, I lost my voice on Thursday, right? And I had to preach two churches on Sunday. And I was panicking, and that's never happened to me ever before. And I've never lost my voice. So on a Friday, I could not say anything. So I started praying, and I got people to pray for me. Do you know what? Miraculously, on Sunday morning, my voice came back. I preached two services. Man, it was amazing. Hey? <coughs> God is so good. And I know that some of you have been praying for me and your, your pastor has been praying for me. But anyhow, my uncle received Jesus Christ in the, uh, in the late, the mid-70s. And he told my parents, hey, you know what? You've got <coughs> to believe in Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. My mom and dad says, nah, nah, this Jesus stuff, it's a... Uh, it's a Western faith. It's not for us Vietnamese. Forget about this, Jesus. Uncle knew that time was running really, really short. Because in a matter of weeks, we're going to hop on a boat and sail south. And he knew that one in two boats never made it. So he knew that this could be the last time he would see his sister and his, his, his brother and his uh, and nephew and niece, my, 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 myself and my little sister. My sister was probably 10 months at the time. I was four years old. He said, you got to believe in this Jesus, man. you got to believe in this Jesus here. Mom says, nah. So there, he said, look, when you're out of sea and you get stuck, you know what? Know that Jesus loves you. Cry out to Jesus, man. So anyhow, we're out of sea. And I, I, long story short, three times we thought we were gone. Three times, you know. Swells, probably four times the heart of this. Pirates, chased by pirates, just, just l- losing petrol. I remember as a little boy just eating a piece of bread that dropped into a trough of diesel. My father scooped up. He couldn't waste it, so he let it to dry, to evaporate, break it up so the kids could eat it. That was how desperate we are. Anyhow, on three times when we thought game over, my parents cried out to Jesus. On one time, the swell was so, so high, right? 
that mum and dad said, this is game over. I remember seeing adults hugging, crying, and just going, this is it. We're going to die. And I thought, we're gone. As a little boy, I thought, this is it. My parents said, hey, Jesus, if you love us, save us. If you love us, calm the storm. You know, within five minutes, the storm ceased. So when I read the gospel of Jesus calming the storm, it goes, man, it hits me so hard because my God saved me. So anyhow, we get rescued, right? And we're in the refugee camp and these missionaries starts coming through, right? And who are they sharing? Jesus. Because they knew that the time was short. Because as missionaries going through refugee camps, these people are only here for a few months before they're shipped off. They're sharing who? Jesus. They knew that time was short. They knew that they did not want to make it in vain, right? They preach. Anyhow, my parents goes, wow, that's the Jesus that my brother told about. And the missionary says, who wants Jesus? And parents says, yeah, we want Jesus. And they accepted Jesus. We came over here. Long story short, I'm a pastor today. One of my uncle's prayers was that, hey, I wish there were more pastors and leaders from our family. He is so happy when he found out some 10, 15 years ago, I went to ministry. He says, you know what? I'm so glad I shared that because it wasn't in vain. You see what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is this, that you don't know what God is doing behind the scene, that God wants you to share that message. You might say, oh man, Pastor Ben, you don't understand. You know what? I've got a, I've got a reputation, Pastor Ben. You know what? I'm the coolest Asian in town. I don't want to lose that image. I don't really care less what you think. I'm cooler than you, right? And now, <laughs> right? So, so you, you need to understand that, you know what? Life is too short. You say, God, I don't want to live a life that's in vain. I, I need to share the message because I don't know when you're taking me home. I don't know when's the last time I'll see that person. I think that I'll see them for the next 50 years. Maybe you won't. If you're coming here for the first time, you're here because somebody invited you because they want you to hear the gospel. They want you to hear that Jesus loves you so much that He died for you, that He in His kingdom says that today He has paved the path for you to be in relationship with Him. And these people here want you to know the good news. And these people here has got me here to share you the good news so that you will say, you know what, Pastor? Include me. Pastor, I want to be part of that family. Pastor, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And for those who know Jesus, oh man, don't just take it easy. Don't just cruise into glorification. Work hard in your sanctification. Keep growing in humility. Keep growing in godliness. Keep growing in courage. To share the gospel message so that your life is not in vain. It's, it's, it's meaningful. It's poor. It's beautiful. It's purposeful. That's what I want Jesus to say to me when I see him one day. Ben, your life was not in vain. I did not save you and you wasted it. No, I saved you and you made the most of it. Amen. Yeah. Well, of course, church, you do that as well. Let me pray for you, huh? Let me pray. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to challenge you. Why not? I'm going to challenge you. I was about to pray, but I'm going to challenge you. Can I do that? Yeah. <coughs> okay. Quick one, because I'm, I'm running out of energy. You stand up right now if you want me to pray for you so that God can grow you in the courage of gospel mission. Come on. You pray right now if you want me to pray for you so that you can say, God, 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 I don't want to live a life that's in vain. God, I want to live for your glory. That this church here, Oikos Church, will be a great church that your name will be made great through this church here. God, God, I want to make sure that every moment, God, I'll have the courage to share the gospel. Hallelujah, God. You see the people standing. In fact, I see the whole church standing. This is a great church to belong to. This is a great church to be at. I pray for every person here at Oikos Church that they will live a life where they would be 
bold to share the gospel message, that they will seek you to get their boldness, that they know that you are the seed of gospel message. And I pray that all those weeds take away right now, those cobwebs clear right now. And I pray that their life will not be in vain, that they know the need to live for your glory alone. Will you bless them? Will you strengthen them in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's worship Jesus. Let's worship Jesus. Hallelujah.